you will, open up your Bibles. Psalm 7841, we've been talking about unlimited or limited. It's a fascinating subject and context. And uh, the first week we went into a lot of verses that are like this one. And we don't really have time to review a bunch of them because uh, you would be doing the same thing every week and gaining little ground. And we talked about how God and his goodness is toward every Christian, period. Let me say that again because I think there were a couple people that could have been asleep. God's goodness is toward every Christian. All the time, he wants good. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 2 that God is endeavoring or always leading us in triumph in Christ. So what is God leading you? Somebody said, oh, the way he's leading me is not comfortable. It's ultimately for victory. When we disobey, we're moving away from our victory. That went well. But but, because he's leading us into triumph in Christ because he's just good to his people and he wants the best for his people. The Bible said the Lord is our shepherd and he leads us into paths of righteousness and leads us into to places of still water and green pastures as sheep. And he protects us, but he is endeavoring to lead us there and to keep us there. But if you ever notice, uh, it's not an issue of just hearing God in life. Because we know that every Christian hears God. Now, not in an audible voice, but an inward witness. And that's plain and clear. Everyone who's born of God has a personal relationship, and he deals with them deep down inside. And so the, the issue is, is following that new life and the leading of the Spirit that's in you, because he is never going to lead you into bad. So if my life goes really bad, and I'm making really bad decisions, then I am not following the wisdom that comes from him because he is ever good toward us, even in our failures. Even when we mess up, he's endeavoring. I mean, think about it, because we've read these different scriptures. He'll lead the, leave the 99 sheep to go get the one that's lost to bring it back in the fold, even though that sheep was the one who caused its own issue. Again and again, you see God's character is for his people. But there is an element of cooperation. Remember, we read the scripture where Jesus said, how often I would have gathered you unto myself, but you would not. So it tells us that the Lord hasn't changed those same type of things. It says how often. That means he attempted and attempted and attempted to get the people to come unto him because he said, I have life, abundant life for you. And it said they would not. So that meant they would not to abundant life. They didn't realize what they were saying no to was more. And whenever the Lord deals with us, it's for our best, ultimately. The Bible said he corrects us for our own good. But how many times when people are led that, you know, maybe sometimes they go no to that. But, we, but then we'll pray, Lord, you know, I need this in my life. He's endeavoring to get you to a full life and to have abundance in all things, meaning 
In the Old Testament, God revealed himself to the children of Israel and said, I'm going to be the ruler over you. This country is not going to be like the rest. And uh, I'm going to bless you abundantly. I mean, your lives are going to be blessed. It doesn't matter who it is today. We all look at the people of Israel and go, that country is blessed. They are and their people and how they do things. And it's the blessing of God. But it's interesting, at one point, God uh, had told them, I'm, we're going to do it different than the rest, and they didn't want it. They said, give us a king like other countries have a king, and we want to be like them. And he said, no. But they said, yes. And so he said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want, but it will cause leanness to come to your soul. Because when you push me out in that area, you're pushing out fullness. And you'll become lean in your soul. In other words, there will be things that will be lacking internally that shouldn't be lacking. And I want this in your life. So he said, don't do it. And they said, no, we got to do it this way. I got to do it my way is what they said. And really, they were living selfish. And when we say selfish, I may talk about that today. Selfish is, can be a very confusing subject, though it seems so obvious. Thank you for your excitement. So God is by his love. He's never against you. He wants his best for you. But uh, we have to cooperate, you know, because he endeavors again and again for his good in your life. He does. And he already died and rose again to have good things and they're already paid for to experience things. So Psalm 78, we're going to read verse 41. It says, yes, Psalm 78, 41. And it's important to hear this. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. And we'll look at how they tempted God. Because the Bible said God cannot be tempted with evil. And it says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Now different translations say different things. Mine says limited. And Young's, who is a scholar, said it rendered limited him. And we know from looking at other scriptures that God was limited, but he was attempting Because notice how it reads, yes, again and again, they tempted him. They did something and limited the Holy One of Israel. So you could say it like this, again and again, God was trying to do something in their life that was good and that was strong and powerful to fill their life, fulfill their life. So they could walk with him and it said, they limited him. And it doesn't say they limited him one time. It said they limited him again and again. Which to me is fascinating that God himself can be limited by man. But it's really not that big of a thing when you really think of it in the light of other things. How how God came to the earth and died for all people and wants all people to be saved... But how many have limited him from doing that work because they said, no, I don't want Jesus in my life. But God wants them saved. He loves them. 
but they limit him from saving him because they will not receive. And it could be because they don't know. And that's our part. But once they do know, then it's super simple. It's real easy. Trust that the work he already did, he wants for you. It's provided for you. I'm talking to anybody in the world, anybody who doesn't know. And then just say, I receive that in Jesus' name. And then God, who is endeavoring to change you, who's already done something about it, will do a work inside of you and recreate you and make you brand new. Well, he wants that for everybody. But why isn't everybody saved? If God wants it, man must be limiting it. It could be limited because people don't know. Knowledge is a huge thing when it comes to these things. But once knowledge is presented, he'll even convict them and deal with them about their need of a savior. I remember talking to this one guy at a store one day about the Lord and the more I talked, the stronger it got and God's power was working. And it wasn't just me endeavoring again and again to reach somebody. I gave the words just like if you did it. And God started dealing with them so strong, I could sense God moving in him. I said, you know, and he said, yeah, I've never given my life to the Lord. I said, can you tell God's dealing with you right now? He said, oh, Yeah. I said, give your life to him. He said, no. I said, well, and then I talked some more and it got stronger. I said, do you still recognize God? He said, yes, it's stronger than before. We went on like that for 40 minutes. And I would just go back and say, are you ready to receive him? He said, no. Now, I know that's foreign, but we all know it's true because... Nobody's been perfect in their obedience with the Lord once you got saved. Right? So don't think, well, that's just so strange that he would say, no. Uh, no, it's not. Because we've done it. But the thing was, God was just dealing with them and dealing with them and dealing with them. And he chose to live his own way. And he walked away that day and didn't give his life to the Lord. And I thought, wow, what do you do? And here's a lost guy, never given his life to the Lord, never really gone to church in his life, who says, yeah, I recognize God working right now. Amen? And he knew it. And God's working here in people's bodies right now, too. And you'll notice some stuff in your abdomen and stuff that will change and is changing. But that guy did not respond. So he limited what God wanted. He limited what God wanted. God loved him. And how many people, you know, think, well, hell is full of a bunch of people that God rejected. No, hell is full of a bunch of people that rejected God, not that God rejected. And People are mistaken and think, does not God care greatly? And his love is for his people and toward the world. But it does take cooperation. And if you notice right here, it said they limited the Holy One of Israel. 
I mean, he's the guy who created everything. We're all going to stand before him and give an account to our lives for what we did or did not do. And it's not that, you know, we're waiting on him to do something. In all reality, he's waiting on us. That went well. It's true. We want more of God, but we want to live more for ourselves. And I'm not saying you guys, but sometimes people are like that. But God has extended all to you. And he'll do the most he can do in our lives. He did that in the children of Israel. And actually the context of this is in that area when they went up to take the promised land. And they forgot about how they got delivered. And they forgot about all this stuff. And they said, we're grasshoppers. We can't do it. And God said, yes, you can. I'm with you. I'm for you to take the land. They said, no. And they limited him. And then the next 40 years, we preach a lot about, I'm not saying here in the church world. Ever heard of manna? I mean, you don't have to go to church and people have heard of manna. Manna rained from heaven. For years it rained from heaven. And that was still God doing something good for the people. And you know why manna had to come? Because they limited God. Because they limited God. Water came out of a rock for 40 years. And the Bible said the rock that followed them or that was there was a picture of Christ and living water for them. But do you know that was only acceptable to God? That wasn't, God had tried to do something bigger than that, but they would not and they limited it. And, and we talk about the manna and the brazen serpent and the people getting healed and all the wonder, the quail that God brought in and all the divine provision that happened during that 40 years. And all that was God still trying to do good but it wasn't what he wanted for them because he got limited from showing off all the good he wanted to do because they said, no, we can't go up to the land, but he still did good. I don't know about you, but when the opportunities come to obey, we should because it brings us, you know, it, it actually just opens us up. You with me? To things with God. Greater things. Sometimes we think, well, you know, it's all about God, and when His timing comes, then it will just happen. I remember years ago, the Lord spoke to me, and this came as a revelation about the future ministry, and He told me, I have this for you, and I want you to do this. And uh, He said this after it was all done. He said, your destiny awaits you. Now, I've heard people say, your destiny awaits you. Yes, hallelujah. But when He said that, inwardly I knew, it meant... It was waiting on me. How I would respond would determine how quick I got in, how far I would go, and what I would do or not do. But he already had a plan. Amen? He's got great plans for everybody. I don't care how destroyed and messed up your life is. He's got great plans. But what is, well, what path do I take? Well, what path do I take? Well, it can't be a resistant path to him. Because he's going to lead you into his fullness because that's his plan. 
You know, I remember when working in construction, uh, doing commercial stuff, you go into a job trailer, and I don't know if it's still like this because I've been removed for, uh, uh, from that area and, you know, for a while, but you'd go into like a job trailer on a big commercial job site, and there would be like a, a wooden cabinet with like a shelf for blueprints, and then there would just be like little slots, and there would be all different kinds, you know, the architectural, the electric, and all the different blueprints, and if you needed to look at certain things, you pulled them out and laid them out, and, and you know, you'd go, okay, this is for this, this is for landscaping, this is for the plumbing, this is the grade work, this is this, and you're doing all these, you pull them out and you look, those plans were there before the building was ever made. And God's, God's not sitting there thinking, well, I, I might be, I may have something for you, a part in the play. I mean, it's a small part. We were looking to fill this, and since you're available, here you go. No, he's already got blueprints for your life of something good and great, but it takes uh, us cooperating and following him, right? I don't believe God had bad plans for Judas. Judas made decisions to walk away from God. Thank you. And, uh, but he has great plans, and, and I love Peter's life because it's not an issue of perfection, but there is something about being flexible and keep going and keep adjusting. And so here in Psalm 78, 41, he said, yes, again and again, they tempted him and limited him. And in the context, it's again and again, he was limited. God loves us. He's trying to get into people's lives and do great things and have great things happen. And like I said, it's not an issue of perfection. I mean, he'll heal your neck right now if you have neck problems. And you move your head and go, hey, that did leave. He's endeavoring to do things. You with me? And he can do more in a moment, but here's the thing. What am I going to do for the long run? I've seen people who were on fire for God one day and, and, and then later on they weren't and I've watched their lives and they just slowly said no to the Lord and the Lord still loves them and still has a plan for them but once you say no, you start moving away. And I'm not talking to anybody here because we're all obedient. Quick, prompt to obey people. But he's not trying to lead you into something bad. Isn't it wild how sometimes people want to hold on to something and think, well, my goodness, you know, what will, I, what will happen if I give this up? Think about what he's got, and it's good. So turn to John 42. They did not, and this is how they were hindered. They did not, and hindered and limited him, they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy and worked his signs in Egypt. So they, these people, he wanted to bring them into this promised land, but they didn't remember how big and strong God was. In our day and age, the church sometimes is told this, miracles are passed away or we're waiting for a move of God for something big to happen. And I'm not knocking that, but if all we're doing is waiting, is God waiting too? 
then that would sound like he's a respecter of persons and he doesn't love us as much as when he does that. And sometimes we let things in and maybe we're uh, not remembering he is powerful, he can do it, he will do it, he wants to now. And we say, and it sounds good, but someday he will. And I'm good with someday he will do great things, but let's have him do great things today too. And so they, they hindered him, limited him, because they didn't think of how big and powerful and strong and what God could really do. Amazing. They said, we can't go up and take the land. There's no way. Turn with me to John 6. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here about what we can do to see God become unlimited in our lives. And uh, it's, some of these are just so simple but they take dedication. And the dedication is not that hard, I guess, but maybe there's struggles. Jesus went through these same struggles he knows. Remember when he said, after living his whole life, is there another way to do this? Do I have to die on the cross? Is there another way? Because he had never sinned, never lived wrong. He didn't know what it was to taste sin. And he told God, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He got his will straightened out. So if he had to straighten out his will, I'm probably going to have to work on mine. And if he had to work on it in being selfish or going his own way, I'm probably going to have to work on that too throughout my life. Notice he didn't just start in ministry and start walking with God and go, well, that's good enough. Now I can coast. He literally had to keep himself pliable, obedient. It's an attitude to not be selfish. And uh, like I said, some people think selfish, you know, if I'm not selfish, I do what everybody else wants me to do. That's not being unselfish. Well, I just, everybody wants me to do this. Everybody wants me to do that. I'm just being selfish right now because I said no. Do you know Jesus said no to things like that when everybody, people asked him to do certain things? People came and inquired. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was fulfilling the old covenant. So he didn't go preach everywhere in the world. He only went there. He was clear about that. We actually talked about that Friday from a different scripture. Where he did not go anywhere else but there. And people inquired of me, said, I'm not sent. He did help them, but he didn't go to them. Didn't start traveling to other countries. Don't you think if Jesus was alive today... And he was over there. Wouldn't it be nice to get him to come over here and preach? I mean, just for one Sunday. I know he's busy. But you know what his answer would be? I'm, that's not where I'm sent. Well, well, you're selfish, Jesus. No, he was not selfish because selfishness is doing your own thing. He was so 
not selfish. He chose to do God's thing the way God told him to do it, and he stuck with it. That's a big difference. And it'll free you up from feeling like I've got to please everybody all the time, and then I'm not selfish. I know years ago, because I've been a student of different moves of God that have occurred where people have connected and hooked up with God and great things started happening, and where ministers just wore themselves out. They said, well, I've got this gift, therefore I've got to use it. And people would demand, and they'd be up late, and they'd be up early, and they'd be out all day and doing all this stuff till they wore themselves out physically. And I've read at different times and thought, oh, uh, and then they, they died young. They wore out. They just quit. I know one guy in reading, for like three-something years I heard this, he, there was this nonstop revival, just people pouring in, and he just went and went and went, and he quit the ministry after. He just burned out. Well, somebody would say, well, see, he wasn't selfish. No, people were selfish, and he should have not yielded to that and followed God and followed the example that Jesus gave when he told the disciples, come aside and pray, come aside from the multitude, send the multitude away. Jesus did that, then he'd go aside and pray, and he kept his own personal walk with God, and he would do that. Now, Jesus isn't pushing people away today from heaven. But during his earthly ministry, giving us an example, he was trying to help us to recognize what it is to uh, live a life for God and do it correctly. So a lot of people think, well, you're just selfish. No, you're not. It's not all about you, Miss You Planet. Other people have things going on too. Oh, hallelujah. This is going well. God's for us. He just tried to help us. You've only got so many hours in a day. And you have to be a good steward over them. So, where did I tell you to go? John 6, verse 38. For... I have come down, and we're talking about God wanting to do great things, and, and he is endeavoring constantly. And those are the scriptures we've been looking at. And here we see Jesus and how he lived so that God was able to constantly have a vessel that he could work through. And Jesus saw wonderful things. But he never attributed it to himself but notice this underlying thing here with Jesus. It says, for I came down from heaven. That's profound. Jesus came from heaven. We did not. We did not. Jesus did. He came down from heaven. Well, why? what did he come down to do? He said this. Not to do my own will. So we're sent from heaven. We're born of heaven. 
the very next thing we should do, and if you don't know this, if you've given your life to the Lord, you've already made a promise to do this to the Lord, whether you're doing it or not. When you said, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord, you gave him a right to start having good come into your life. That means he's the ruler. I'm going to submit to you. Whether we're doing it or not, that gave him a right to make you new and to cause his blessing to come upon your life. You with me? And so Jesus came from heaven. We're born of heaven. He said, not to do my own will. See, I said it earlier, to not do your own will, then you need to know whose will or what will you're going to do because there are others who are going to give you ideas what to do. And they're going to want you to do their will. And people are, can be manipulative. Oh, you're not going to go with me? You don't like me? Well, I'm not sure about that, but I'm not going to go with you. Or, yeah, I like you, but I'm not going with you. But I've, I've met people like that. They'll, they'll try to manipulate you. Well, I got to know I'm not doing my own will, but am I going to do their will? Whose will am I going to do? Good question. He said, but I'm going to do the will of him who sent me. Not my will but the will of him who sent me. So I got to know his will and the areas where I know it, I just do it. It's not legalism. Think about this. Jesus lived his life this way. You think he was blessed? You think God got good things into his life? You think he lived full of peace? Somebody said, yeah, but he was Jesus. Yeah, he was. But the Bible said, Peter said this in the Bible, said that he came and lived to show us how we might live. And we look at Jesus's life and think, man, God was unlimited in him. God was unlimited flowing through him, but in all reality, God was limited. Not in him, but from flowing through him when he ran into people that limited him because Matthew 12 and Mark 6 say that the Lord came to certain places and he couldn't heal them because of their unbelief. In other words, he attempted. How would you know unless you gave it a shot? So he tried and it said he couldn't and not because he didn't have the ability, but because of their unbelief. So think about it. They limited even him. It didn't change the fact that his own life was full but think about it. Where is my attitude toward life? Is it all about me? Is it about what I can do? Or is it, I'll do what you want if it's convenient, Lord. Then when, it's, when you're doing it, then you'll see good things. It's not that God's opposed to you. It's not that God's mad at you. It's not that God's like, oh my goodness. And it's not that he's not forgiving and merciful, but I can still limit him. Mighty rivers have been dammed and controlled by a dam tender. And they can back the water up or just let it flow. And it's 
off of one person most of the time or a couple controlling the whole thing. And we think, you know, we even talk about the mighty Mississippi. You know, but rivers can be damned. And the Bible said when you get saved and get filled with the Spirit, He's in you, and out of your belly flow rivers of living water. It said this He spoke of the Holy Spirit, who was not yet given, but once He came, He's there. But can those rivers be damned up, so to speak? Not paid attention to. But it doesn't mean God's not for us. Doesn't mean God's not on your side. Doesn't mean God doesn't want something. But if the dam is closed up, then all the fields that should have been watered below can be starving. And, and when we start realizing like Jesus, he didn't live just for himself. That was how things got uncorked in his life. When we decide, I'm going to put the Lord first. You ever seen people excited for the Lord? I mean, not excited about just everything. I mean, they're just on fire for the Lord. There is one thing that's major in their life. They want to do whatever he says. They want to do whatever he said. The more you want to be, quote unquote, on fire adjust your attitude to be like, I'm willing to put anything aside as long as I can obey him. Let's close with this scripture in Acts, the 20th chapter, because we saw it in Jesus, but it wasn't just Jesus who had this attitude, and it, but Paul, this apostle who was converted and had wonderful, miraculous things and saw great things happen in his life. He had a lot of persecution, but he was able to live his life out and have a good full life and be effective in the earth because he lived by the same principle. And in the Bible, Paul said this when he wrote, being moved by God, follow me as I follow Christ. How are you following Christ? Well, don't follow him just as I do or as others do, look at a godly example in the Bible. Now, I think we can look at people. But in one sense, man, we look at Paul, we look at Jesus, they were set forth as examples. And notice verse 24, it says this, the 20th chapter, 24th verse. It says this, now he he was getting ready to go somewhere and a word came that you're going to be imprisoned and put in chains. He'd been down that road. He said, but none of these things move me. None of these problems move me. How in the world can problems not move you? He said, nor do I count my life dear to myself. That's the phrase. It's not about me. It's not about doing my plan. It's about doing God's plan. He said, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God or his gift toward man. How did Paul finish his course with joy? He did what Jesus did. And chose to not live just for himself. 
I think it would be good for us to examine our lives. Why do I say no to the Lord? Why do I have time or not have time? Now, I'm not talking about rules and, oh, you got to spend an hour every day and you got to do this and you got to do this. No, I'm talking about a motive inside that either says yes or no. And when I'm saying no to the Lord, then that is truly what selfishness is. When I say yes to the Lord, then guess what? The Bible tells us when we do that, we're seeking first the kingdom of God. And then everything that the world pursues will be added to your life. That's what God's intention is. It's always for good. You with me? He wants that. So selfishness is not doing everything everybody else wants. Or, you know, I've become, I'm no longer selfish. Now I have to obey everybody's commands. No, when I am no longer selfish in the right way, I am going to seek what's best from God's standpoint. Then I'm going to treat people right according to God's standpoint. 